What is up, listeners of the world? My name is Jalen Tully, and welcome to J Talks. you guys oh my god i'm so excited for this week's episode you guys have no idea actually now that i think about it i'm excited for the episodes for the next two coming weeks why you might ask actually you might not be asking because the title already gives you guys some sort of idea but i am excited for the next two coming weeks of episodes because i'm going to be talking about my trip through vegetarianism and i'm going to be talking to you guys about vegetarianism in general and what it would take for us as individuals to change and alter our diets to make them not just more sustainable for us ourselves, but also to make them more sustainable for the earth that we are inhabiting and living on. And I say this completely aware of the fact that while vegetarianism and veganism are both gaining traction and popularity, not just within America, but all over the world, they are not necessarily welcome ideals. They are not necessarily the popular opinions or the popular lifestyles to have by any means, and I am completely aware of that. However, I think that it would benefit a lot of people to kind of understand vegetarianism. I think a large reason that a lot of people are so freaked out by it, why a lot of people are so judgmental of the lifestyle and are so against it, quote unquote, is because they don't understand it. So here I am, a devout vegetarian. I have been a vegetarian for years at this point, over a decade at this point in time. And I think it would, like I said, benefit a lot of people to hear from someone and listen to someone who has firsthand experienced life without meat and who actually enjoys it way more than would be expected, I think. So like I said, this is going to be a two-part series. This is going to take up our time for the next two weeks of this podcast. And more than anything, that's honestly probably just going to be based on the fact that I have so much that I want to talk about. I have so much I want to touch on. I have so much information I want to give you guys. And it's probably just going to take too long to fit into one week, which is why I'm just giving us time and I'm giving myself the time to be able to talk about things as in-depth as I want to without the anxiety weighing over me of like, oh my god, I have to fit this into one episode. I can't talk for an hour and a half. I have to condense this a little bit. But now I'll be able to talk for as long as I want because we have two weeks to get through all of this. Through this episode, through these episodes, I want to talk about my own vegetarian journey. I want to talk to you guys about why I became a vegetarian, why I'm going to stay, probably going to stay a vegetarian for the rest of my life, kind of the steps that I took to eradicating meat from my diet and removing meat from my diet entirely, and why I am happier now than I think I would be if I still had meat as a part of my diet or at least a part of my diet on a regular basis. I also want to talk about my favorite foods, and and yes, some of those might actually be meat. Shocker! But I want to talk to you guys not only about the cravings that I still have as a vegetarian, as someone who hasn't tasted meat in almost a decade, over a full decade, and how I'm still having those cravings, how I'm still dealing with those cravings, and how, more than anything, they're normal. It's normal to want to crave meat. It's normal to want to eat meat. But I also want to talk about how I suppress those, how I, in spite of all of those cravings, how I still maintain my diet, how I still maintain the lifestyle that I do, 
But more than anything, I want to talk about how most of my favorite foods, and probably most of your favorite foods too, do not even have meat as an ingredient, and how we think that meat is a much more intrinsic part of our everyday diet than it really should be or than it really needs to be. And then I want to talk about some misconceptions about vegetarianism. I feel like there's a lot of very stupid thinking out there about what vegetarianism is like and how you can't survive if you don't eat meat. Oh my lord, the amount of times I have had people come up to me and after they found out I'm a vegetarian and look me dead in the eyes, a person who has not eaten meat in almost a decade, and they have the audacity to look me in the face and tell me, oh my god, I don't know how you do it. I just couldn't survive without meat. Well, uh, you you can, I know, because I'm doing it right now, and that's not even the only one. That's not even the worst one. There's so many other ones that I want to debunk for you guys, so many other misconceptions. I want to answer so many questions. I want to answer for you guys, for people who are not familiar with what a vegetarian lifestyle entails, what a vegetarian diet consists of. And then I also want to talk about what you guys should not say to vegetarians, because yes, we do in fact get annoyed by some of the things you say to us. It is obnoxious, it is unnecessary, and quite frankly, sometimes it makes us want to punch you in the face. So yes, I want to give you guys some insight on that. And then finally, with this little mini-series, I want to wrap up by talking about why you should change your diet, or at least why you should consider changing your diet. Not only for personal reasons and economic reasons, why it would make your life better, why it would make your life and your lifestyle and your body healthier and happier, it would save you more money, it would be way less expensive when you go grocery shopping. But quite arguably, the most important point I want to make in this entire series is why it's important for all of us to change our diets for our planet. Our planet is dying largely due to our own activity, and a large part of that comes from us trying to sustain our very meat-driven diets. And I'll talk about it way more during the episode at the end of these next two episodes, but I think that if we really want to take steps towards bettering our world, if we really want to take steps towards preserving our world and keeping it alive and healthy for us to continue to live on, we need to consider a diet change. And it doesn't even have to be dramatic. It doesn't even have to be completely cutting meat out or completely cutting all animal products out. But I think we need to be more conscious about what we eat, where we get it from, and why we eat it. So with all of that being said, hopefully you guys have not turned off this episode yet. Please do not. I think I have a lot that would benefit people to hear. I think I have a lot, even if you don't want to hear it, I think it would still benefit you to hear it. I think I have a lot to say that might give you a little bit of a different insight that might answer some of your questions and make the idea of changing your diet and becoming a vegetarian less scary because I think that's a large part of the reason why a lot of people don't want to make the switch and why a lot of people don't want to make the changes and the dietary restrictions that being a vegetarian would take. But I think when I come on here and talk about it and answer some of your guys' questions, hopefully that will alleviate some of the concerns that you may or may not have. So with all of that being said, I'm just going to jump into telling you guys a little bit about myself. I was around five years old when I told my mom that I wanted to stop eating meat. My mom's going to tell you she's a vegetarian. She's not. Don't believe her. But she has always been very conscious about where she gets her meat. She has always been very conscious about the effect that meat has on our environment. And she was always very honest with me about that. 
And even though, you know, she might have chicken here and there, turkey for Thanksgiving, she does eat fish, but she doesn't really eat red meat. I don't think I've seen her eat red meat in years, honestly. And she's always conscious about where she eats and where she gets it from. And this is what actually catalyzed my own vegetarianism, what made me want to change my diet, is because she showed me one of those like documentaries. I completely forget which one it is. I'm going to have to ask her and figure out which one it was. But she showed me one of those documentaries that was like what actually happens in a slaughterhouse and how gruesome and how inhumane slaughterhouses are and the process in which we get our meat from living, breathing animals who can feel things. And it was, it was disgusting. It was heartbreaking. It was so disheartening. And I always have loved animals so much. That's always just been something that I felt. My mom raised me with animals. My mom raised me to see them as people with feelings and emotions and the same qualities that make people people make animals animals. And that's just how my mom raised me. That's just how I was raised. And honestly, I wouldn't change it for anything. But because of that, I felt so strongly with that documentary. I actually, you know, at five years old, I actually started to do my own digging and doing my own reading. And that's when I made the decision that I wanted to be vegetarian. I didn't want to sustain my life and my diet on another thing's pain, on another living thing's pain. As humans, you know, we think that slavery is so wrong because we are profiting off of someone else's pain, off of someone else being treated inhumanely. We think that war and we think famine and disease are these abhorrent things that, you know, take out entire populations and decimate entire species of people. Yet, we're willing to do the same thing to animals with man-made contraptions, with man-made desires, with man-made urges for food and demands for food that we don't need in order to sustain ourselves to survive. And I found that out very, very quickly. Obviously, you know, not in such an intelligent way, but I I was able to make those connections very, very young. And I made the decision that I didn't want to eat meat anymore. And at five years old, you know, so you still have a lot of growing to do. You still have a lot to understand. So my mom made a deal with me and she was like, okay, how about you become pescatarian you can stop eating all the other meat that you don't want to, but you still I still want you to eat fish. I still want you to get some of that more get some of that other protein in there, get some of the oils in there that are really good for you and your brain and your body. And I was like, okay, that's that's a, that's a pretty fair deal to make, I think. And so a few years went on and I was a pescatarian and I ate fish and that was really it. But even when I did eat fish, it was in moderation. It was probably only once every couple of weeks or once a week at most. But I still didn't feel great about it. I still was like, this is a living thing. This is something that underwent pain and suffering in order for it to get onto my plate and in turn get into my stomach. So when I was about nine, I want to say, around like nine or ten, I made the decision that I wholeheartedly wanted to cut meat from my diet. I didn't want to have fish. I didn't want to eat chicken. I didn't want to eat anything. I just wanted, I wanted to completely cut meat out of my diet more than anything. And after talking to my mom about it, she completely agreed and wholeheartedly told me that she was on board with me, especially because this is a choice that I had been thinking about for years since I had the original conversation with her about going vegetarian when I was five. And with all of that being said, we now settle on to the present day. I am now 18 years old. I have not eaten a lick of red meat, including steak or bacon or burgers or hot dogs, since I was a wee little child. 
and I haven't consumed any form of meat or meat products since almost a decade at this point. And quite frankly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, at this point in life, a lot of people do ask me, they're like, you know, have you considered going back? Have you considered eating meat at this point? Have you considered maybe going pescatarian or, you know, just reverting back to the lifestyle that you used to have? And the answer always and undoubtedly is no. I've never, I've never wanted to go back. I've never had the yearn to go back and I've never seriously considered going back to eating meat. There have obviously been times where I've had cravings. There have obviously been times where I've seen something on someone else's plate or I've smelled something in a restaurant or in my kitchen or, you know, I've seen something in public or at a food truck or at a carnival and I've gone, oh my lord, that smells delicious. I would give anything to just lick it all over. But even though I'm a vegetarian, that's a completely normal way to feel and I never have succumbed to those urges. I never have succumbed to those desires to just devour meat. And quite frankly, like I said, more than anything, I've never really wanted to. I can see something on someone else's plate. I can smell something in a restaurant and appreciate that something's good. I can always appreciate a good meal. But there's a difference between appreciating food and appreciating gourmet masterpieces and actually wanting to consume them, which for some reason people don't seem to get. And I said it before, I'll talk about it a little bit later. I'll go more in depth in terms of my cravings and how they actually make me feel. But when people ask me, like I said, if I would ever go back, the answer is always and undoubtedly no. I could not imagine going back to eating meat. I think at this point in my life, it's such an ingrained part of who I am and it's such an ingrained part of my lifestyle that I feel like it would be more of a disruption to my life to go back to eating meat. I feel like this is who I am now. Actually, if anything, I feel like this is always who I've been. I feel like I was always meant to be a vegetarian. I feel like I was always meant to have this lifestyle. This is just where I feel better. This is where I look better. This is just where I think I'm meant to be. This is just what I think I'm meant to do at this point. And like I said, it would be way weirder for me to go back to eating meat than it would be for me to just never eat meat again. And on top of that, now that I'm older and now that I've actually taken the time to see the impact that I've had not just on other people, but on the world around me. I don't think I could ever ethically go back to eating meat. I don't think I could ever ethically feel okay or justified consuming another piece of meat again in my life, knowing the carbon footprint it leaves behind, knowing the ecological impact it has on the world around us, knowing the negative impact it has on our environment, on our species. And not only that, but knowing the negative impact it has on our economy and also my own body yeah, no, I'm I'm good with the cholesterol. Thanks, though. I don't think I'll ever go back to regularly making meat a part of my daily diet. I don't think I'll ever go back to regularly eating meat in general or even eating meat at all. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if I went my entire life without consuming a single piece of meat ever again. Which might bring up some questions for you, such as, but Jalen, if you don't eat meat, then what do you eat? What is your favorite food then? What do you like eating? Well, I'm going to answer that question for you right here, right now. I'm going to share some of my favorite foods with you. I'm going to share some of my favorite recipes. I'm going to share some of, like I said, I'm going to go more in depth about the cravings that I have and how I deal with those and how I, you know, think about those in a way that makes me not actually want to eat the food that I might be craving. 
And honestly, I think once I start talking a little bit more about the actual food and the actual diet that's involved in my life, I think it will help open your guys' eyes a lot too because meat is really not a large part of our diet, or at least it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be consuming meat every single day, or at least red meat every single day. You shouldn't be having strips of bacon and burgers and hot dogs and steaks and fish fillets. Like You shouldn't be having that stuff any every day anyways. And the reality of it is, once I start talking about the foods that I like and the foods that I could just sit down and indulge myself in, a lot of you will probably be like, huh, I actually like that food a lot better than meat anyways. But I don't want to waste your guys' time and just keep teasing you, so I'm going to get right into it. First food that comes to my head, french fries. Oh, honest, actually, scratch that. Anything potato. That includes tater tots, french fries, mashed potatoes, boiled potatoes, potato skins, baked potatoes, sweet potatoes, any of those options. Oh my god, I could just I could just indulge. It definitely depends on what mood I'm in, but usually I'm pretty confident saying I'm always in the mood for french fries. I'm always in the mood for tater tots. I'm always in the mood for mashed potatoes like hash browns. Any of that is just oh my god, delicious. And guess what? Potatoes are completely vegetarian. Oh my god, and french fries are completely vegetarian, and tater tots are completely vegetarian, and oh my god, all of this stuff. Oh, my mouth is watering just sitting here thinking about this. Can you tell? Oh my god, and, that's, and this is just the first one, too. This is just the first one of my favorite foods. I still have who knows how many after this that are going to come to my head. My second favorite food is pasta. I, just like the potatoes, I love all kinds of pasta. Actually, almost all kinds of pasta. I'm not a huge fan of spaghetti. I don't know if it's just like the noodle or what about it, but honestly, the noodles kind of remind me of roundworms. I like fettuccine. I like pepperdell. I even like myself a good angel hair sometimes, but spaghetti specifically, I don't know, man. There's just something about it that just, it does, it doesn't, it doesn't, make me as happy as other types of pastas do. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll still eat it if it's put in front of me, but I won't enjoy it as much. Um, specifically, when it comes to pasta, I am a huge fan of vodka sauce. It's probably my favorite type of sauce to have pasta with. Recently, I've also been getting really into the feta tomato pastas that are like circulating on TikTok and Instagram. Have y'all seen those? Where like, so you get cherry tomatoes and you put cherry tomatoes. Now I'm going to like be Chef Jalen for a minute. I'm going to convert really quickly. But you get cherry tomatoes. Obviously you wash them off, clean them, whatever you need to do. You put them in a baking pan, like a, like bit, like usually I use like a glass one, like a big, like baking pan. Cover them with olive oil. Make sure they're completely covered. You put a block of feta cheese in the center and you cover with spices. I usually use salt, pepper, oregano, paprika, garlic salt, and then some ground red pepper just for a little bit of a kick. And pop that in the oven 400 degrees for about 30 minutes until the tomatoes start bursting. And then you mix all that up, you smash the rest of the tomatoes, and then you dump whatever pasta you want to eat into it. And oh my lord, it is probably the best pasta I've ever had. It's probably the best thing I have made so far. It is so delicious and it's so easy to make. Literally like 
two, like three ingredients, not including the spices and everything. It is so good, so delicious. I wholeheartedly recommend making it. And prep time is like less than an hour. So seriously, like super feasible, super affordable, wholeheartedly recommend. It is so good. And if you're not a huge tomato person, because I've had a bunch of friends be like, this looks amazing, but I'm not a huge tomato person. Honestly, I've also thought about maybe doing like butternut squash and just mixing like butternut squash in and doing that as something like you could replace the tomatoes with. But you know, I don't know. I'm kind of just doing my thinking. But yeah, definitely recommend you guys try that. Another favorite food of mine is pizza and or cheese. I am sure that you could infer by me talking about my diet somewhat in depth for the last couple of minutes, but I'm not vegan. I want to make that clarification now. I eat cheese. I eat animal byproducts. So I eat eggs, honey, like all of that stuff. And I'll talk about it a little bit later and I'll go more in depth, but that's something that people seem to get confused a lot. Like that's probably one of the most common questions I get when people find out I'm a vegetarian and live a plant-based lifestyle. But I just wanted to make that clarification now before I, you know, keep going with this week's episode and tell you guys more of my eating habits. I am not vegan. I consume animal byproducts. I'm not a huge milk drinker. That's the one thing that I, I kind of find milk to be gross. Um, milk just isn't appetizing to me in general. And, you know, the substitutes are so much better in my opinion. So I'm, I'm not a milk drinker. But cheese on occasion, I try and cut back on it when I can. And I try and buy vegan cheese when I can. But cheese, definitely eggs because we have our own chickens. So I'm a huge egg fan. Honey, I'm a fan of honey. I wear wool, like all of that stuff I'm, re I'm pretty into. But yeah, I just want to make that clarification very quickly before I talk about the fact that I love pizza and cheese. But yes, I do in fact love pizza and cheese. I actually just got food yesterday with my partner from Domino's. We got an entire meal from Domino's. Like, in a, like we got a pizza, we got some of their breadsticks and some of their garlic knots and then some of their cinnamon twists, which all of that, oh my God, Domino's is literally delicious. I know it's just pure fat and carbs and so bad for you, but there's just something so addicting about Domino's. But I was, you know, I was sitting and I was driving on my way to see him and I was like, Oh, so this is this entire me meal's like vegetarian. Like there's not an ounce of meat in this meal. Like there's not like there's not anything in this meal that would preclude me from eating it, which I think is just so funny and so rich cuz a lot of people, you know, that's the first thing out of their mouth when they find out I'm vegetarian or when you talk about, you know, living a plant-based lifestyle with them is like, "Oh, but I eat so much meat. I can never live without meat." And it's like I just ordered an entire meal from Domino's last night that my meat-eating partner thoroughly enjoyed. Like, meat does not have to be a part of every single meal you consume. And that's why I'm trying to sit down and, like, explain to you guys what I eat, what my favorite foods are, what I enjoy to consume, because I think when people sit down and realize how many foods don't have meat in them, how many foods are really vegetarian-friendly, like, people would be much more apt to change their diet or alter their diet to whatever fits their needs. But again, like some of my favorite foods like ice cream, cake, cookies, all of that stuff. I, I love all of that sweet, delicious stuff. I absolutely love it. Whipped cream, uh, obviously fruit, strawberries, blueberries, all of it. Like I said earlier, I think part of the reason why people are so apprehensive about changing their diets, why people are so apprehensive about hearing the word vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian is because they picture a diet that's bland. They picture just eating salads. They picture 
you know, not enjoying the meals that they can eat now. They picture never able being able to have a burger again. They picture, you know, plates that are sad, you know, like with where your food makes a frowny face. Like, I think that's the, the image that people get in their mind whenever anyone brings the topic of plant-based eating to the forefront of a conversation. But in reality, I really probably eat 95% of the same foods that you do. Like you've probably learned in this entire section, I eat ice cream, I eat french fries, I eat cake and pizza and pasta. And with the creation of different types of meat alternatives, especially recent ones like the Beyond Meat, like the Incognito, I also have been able to enjoy burgers and hot dogs and sloppy joes and, you know, all of those things that you wouldn't think someone would still be able to enjoy and still be able to enjoy just as much as they probably would if they were eating like a real burger. And by the way, all of those have gotten the stamp of approval from my meat-eating father. So before any of you try and come in here and be like, that's not real meat, it's not actually good, it's, it's gross, it's fake meat, it's still not good. Actually, my dad thinks it's delicious. So try before you judge, please. <laughs> but real talk, I definitely recommend trying the Beyond Meat. Definitely recommend trying a couple of those mock meat brands. Some of them are definitely better than others. I'm going to say that now. If you go into every, if you go into any, I'm going to change it to any, but if you go into any interaction with a meat substitute expecting it to taste exactly like whatever meat it's promising to mimic, you're going to be disappointed. And that's kind of not the point of meat substitutes. But if you instead go into those interactions with an open mind, just like you're trying any new type of food without any thought of what it should taste like or what it's going to taste like in the back of your mind, I think a lot of more people would be a lot more apt to not only try meat substitutes, but also they would find that they like them a lot more. That's constantly what I tell people before I give them, you know, my weird stuff to try is I'm like, if you go into it expecting meat, you're going to be disappointed. Don't go into it expecting anything and you'll think it's delicious. And of course, 99% of the time I've given people stuff to try, 99% of the time I've had people try my Beyond Burgers or my fake chicken nuggets or my fake boneless wings. Like, people are like, you know what, it's not me, but it's good. Like, I'd sit down and have a plate of these, which is, you know, like, that's the goal. It's like, you don't need to replace meat in every part of your life because meat shouldn't be in every part of your diet anyways. But if you can find things that you're like, you know what, it's not meat, but it's good and I'll eat it and I'm willing to do my part into, you know, reducing the impact that I have not only on my body, but on the world around me, then that is, I'll take that honestly. Like I'll, I'll take what I can get at this point. But yeah, going into the next segment, I'm really excited about this section. It's going to be kind of fun. Um, but also probably kind of annoying. I'm going to be talking about misconceptions and or unanswered questions and or what not to say to someone who's a vegetarian. This is pretty much just all stuff that when people find out I'm a vegetarian, this is stuff I've had said to me. Um, myths I want to debunk, unanswered questions I want to give you guys answers to, things that really are kind of rude to say and that you shouldn't say and that make you seem like kind of a jackass. But yeah, I just want to talk about all of it. The first is probably the one that I, I don't really get it as much anymore than now that I'm an adult. This is definitely the one that I get by people who like aren't, aren't the most educated, if that's like a nice way to put it, maybe, not really, kind of. But you, you can tell the type of people who are going to say this to me or say this about vegetarianism in general. But the people who say, Humans can't survive without meat. Humans evolved to eat meat. 
To which I'll respond, uh, we really didn't, at least not until very recently in terms of the, when you take into consideration the entire, uh, the entirety of the timeline of human existence, most of our earliest ancestors actually had really flat teeth and larger stomachs and parts of our body and enzymes within us that were targeted towards more so breaking down fibers and some of the more prominent starches and fats. Not until very recently, within the last couple million years, did we actually start to evolve to eat, hunt, and cook, consume, and consume animals. So for one. For two, even if you take into consideration our closest animal relative, which are primates, almost all primates have completely plant-based diets. So even if you are going to use the term of like, oh, we're evolved to eat animals, um, evolution's really not on your side with that fact. So whenever I hear people say that to me again, it's like, just shows me their own like lack of intelligence on our, our own species. But to answer that completely ridiculous misconception, no, humans did not evolve to eat meat. And the fact that I am sitting here alive right now, after several years, almost an entire decade of not having a single piece of meat be a part of my diet, I'm pretty comfortable sitting here and saying that humans don't need meat to survive. Next, people ask me, where do I get my protein? Um, as you could probably have inferred from earlier, I do eat a lot of eggs. Eggs are a great source of protein. Also a lot of legumes, a lot of nuts, beans, walnuts, all of that also has a lot of protein, has high concentrations of not only proteins, but, a lot of, but also a lot of the healthier fats that are necessary for brain function, brain growth, all of that. And because I do eat some animal products, I also get my protein other ways. Like I do eat a lot of yogurt. Yogurt has some protein. Cheese has some protein. And again, the fact that I'm sitting here in front of a microphone able to talk and walk and perform the majority of my daily functions with no problem proves that I am obviously getting my protein from somewhere. It's just that I'm obviously not getting it from meat. One thing I do want to say, though, is when I stopped eating meat, I did develop anemia, which I'm not going to go too in-depth about it because this isn't a medical history podcast. You don't need to know the intricacies of my medical history. But anemia is when the iron levels in your blood are low and you're not getting enough oxygen and iron to the rest of your body. So I would get cold really easily my, and my fingers would turn green and purple when I would get really cold. I'd crave things with no nutritional value. So one of the things that I loved to eat for a really long time was ice. I loved to eat ice. I'd buy my drinks with extra ice in it just so I could have the ice to chew on after. I'd fill my sports water bottles with ice so that I'd have something to chew on throughout the day at school. Like I, like I would eat ice all the time. And I didn't really notice it at the time, but now that I've started to take iron pills and I've actually gotten over my anemia in the last year, Looking at how I act now and how I feel now, I realized that the anemia also took a toll on how active I was and, you know, how groggy I felt, how tired I was, how well I was able to wake up and how with how much ease I was able to wake up with in the morning. That's something I've noticed a huge change in. So, so I'm saying all of this because if you are thinking about changing your diet, if you are thinking about eliminating meat from your diet and changing to a plant-based diet, that is something that, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're pregnant, you do need to take into consideration that you need to make sure you're still getting enough iron in your diet or in your body through some way or another. I mentioned it very quickly, but I take iron pills. I actually started recently taking iron pills when quarantine hit. 
And like I said, I've noticed a huge difference. I haven't craved ice since I've started taking the, di the iron pills over a year ago. It's so much easier to get throughout my day and not get groggy halfway through. And I wake up so much easier. I fall asleep so much easier. I truly do feel so much better. And it's something that seemingly makes such a small difference, but truly once you're on the other side of it and once you're out of it, you do notice such a huge difference to your lifestyle. You could find iron pills over the counter at literally your closest pharmacy, your CVS, your Rite Aid, your Walgreens, wherever you need to get them. They are literally everywhere. You can buy them online. You can get them on Amazon. Anywhere you need them, you could probably find iron pills with, with great ease. But I just wanted to put that in there very quickly. I just wanted to say that because that is a that is a thing that a lot of people don't take into consideration when they are making the switch over to a plant-based lifestyle. And it can, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're pregnant, that can cause complications for your pregnancy, for your child. So I just wanted to get that out there and say that now for people who are contemplating this. Next, this one is, this one can be really, really funny, but it can also be really, really annoying. Um, people ask me, what do you eat? Or they, they ask me, do I eat? And then fill in the blank with any like, specifically something that's very obviously not meat or very or something that's very obviously meat. So I'll have people come up to me and be like, oh, well, do you eat fish? Oh, do you, do you eat crabs? Do you eat lobster? Do you eat shrimp? And I'm like, those are all animals. Yes, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pescatarian. I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat any meat. Or on the flip side of that, I'll have people come up to me and be like, well, do you eat eggs? Well, what about cheese? Do you eat cheese? Do you eat honey? Like stuff that's very obviously not meat, which again, I just think it, I think that's, I think it can be funny, but I also think it can be annoying because it shows how little people know about the differences between vegetarianism and veganism. And I kind of, I don't like how it's normalized. I don't like how normalized it is for people to be uneducated about this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hate how normalized it is for people to be uneducated in general, but specifically about this, I don't like how annoying it is for people to be uneducated because it's like, I'm not Wikipedia. I'm not here to teach you. I'm not here to educate you. I'm not here to listen to your little quips about my diet or answer all of your little questions about what I eat or what I don't eat or what I'd like to eat. I'm not here to educate you and I'm not here to feed your own ignorance about this topic. Like I'm just trying to live and eat. And these questions by no means are a huge issue for me. They're by no means something that I can't deal with, but it's just an inconvenience. It's like when white people come up to me and like ask me about my hair or ask me like basic questions that they could Google. It's the same type of concept to me that like, I'm not here to educate you. I'm not here to pander to each of your questions that you could literally take your phone out and have answered for you in five seconds. And I want to make a very quick clarification. I love talking about this stuff with people. I love talking about my vegetarianism. I love talking about, you know, what what my blackness and my hair. Like I I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily have a problem with people asking me questions about that stuff. What annoys me and what gets me about this stuff is when people see me as an outlet or as a as a fix, as a quick fix for their own ignorance. If you have Googled all you can, if you've tried filling in your answers on your own, if you've, you know, read books and gone to online forums and still have questions and want to come to me and just want to have the input of someone who's, you know, actually living this truth and living this experience firsthand, by all means, I will literally talk to you until the cows come home. But if you have not ever even once put an ounce of effort into combating your own ignorance and 
questioning and learning about the world and the people around you and you just see me as an easy fix for that no I don't I don't I don't I don't mess with that I, I don't deal with that like that's that's a waste of my time that's a waste of your time because you obviously don't care all this much if you haven't put any effort in before now like it's just like that's the discrepancy to me like I said, if you have put your own effort in and you just want to come to me as a friend and have this conversation or have me fill in a couple holes for you or like whatever the case may be, more than willing to do that. But there's a line for everything. And I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not Wikipedia. I'm not Google. I'm not someone that you can just go to when you're too lazy to take it upon yourself to do your own research. Like no, no person is like I don't do it to me. Don't do it to anyone else. It no, It's no one's responsibility to help you through your ignorance. All right, next thing's next. I already clarified this earlier in the episode when I talked about what some of my favorite foods were, but I am just hoping to drive this point home very, very quickly. No, I do not just eat salads and tofu. I actually don't even really like tofu depending on how it's cooked. I know, shocker, right? But yeah, that's like a really common misconception I feel like that people have about vegetarianism or veganism is like, oh, how can you only survive off of salads and tofu? And it's, <laughs> I, I feel like I shouldn't even have to make this clarification, but no, I do not just survive off of salads and tofu. There is a wide array of food that I can consume. There's a wide, there's a wide array of food that I love to consume that doesn't have meat in it, that doesn't have tofu in it, that doesn't have vegetables in it. Like that, again, that's showing like your own ignorance about basic food pyramids. If you think that just by taking one food group out of your diet, you all of a sudden have only two options of meals to eat every single day. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Please look at a singular food pyramid. For the love of God, look at a singular food pyramid. Educate yourself on the wide range of food that vegetarians can eat. Because this this was a cute statement to hear like two or three times. Like, oh my God, do you, do you only eat salads and tofu? Like it's like cute to answer for the first couple of times. But now that I'm an adult and I've had to have this said to me probably several dozen times in my life, it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's not funny or cute anymore. It just automatically goes to piss me off. Another misconception, another thing to not say to vegans or vegetarians, it's obnoxious, it annoys us. No, we don't just eat salads and tofu. These ones, oh my, it depends on who's asking me. It depends on what kind of day I'm having. It depends on how they ask. But these ones can either really, really make me mad and really, really annoy me or make me laugh so hard when like in my alone time is when people come up to me and give me like some crazy scenario and ask me if I would eat meat in that situation. Like I've had people come up to me and be like, if your mom was held at gunpoint and you're, the only way to save her was to eat a slice of bacon, would you eat the bacon? Or if the only way to save her was to eat a hamburger, would you eat the hamburger? Or if, if you were stranded on a deserted island and the only food sources there were animals, would you eat the animals in order to survive? And these ones are funny because it's always, like I said, always the most outlandish things. For one, what kidnapper wouldn't be sadistic enough to actually harm my mom when he kidnaps her, but is sadistic enough to just want to sit down and watch a vegetarian eat meat? That's weird. For one. For two, do you, do you not know how food chains work? Do you not know how trophic levels work? In what, what island would be able to sustain animal life without there also being plant life that I could probably consume? So like, 
those two situations, like, and you have no idea how many times I've had people ask me these two exact same scenarios. Several, like, it's been several dozen times. It's it's happened several times. So, like, that, that's just, like, the first thing that I think of when someone asks me that. I'm like, these aren't even plausible situations. These aren't even plausible scenarios. But for two, it's like, yes, I'm a vegetarian. Yes, I make a conscious choice to not eat meat every single day. But if the life of myself or if the lives of people that I love were at, were in danger, you do you really think my own moral righteousness would trump my life or the life of others? Do you genuinely think I could just watch my mother with a gun to her head and have someone be like, you need to eat this hamburger or she dies? And I'd go, mm, mom, I love you. You ruined the elasticity in your vagina for me, and you continue to make sacrifices every single day on my behalf, but sorry, haven't had a piece of bacon since I was six years old, and I can't stop that trend now, so I guess you're getting your bla- your brains blown out today. In what world would anyone make that sacrifice? Even if you were the most devout vegetarian, even if you were the most ve- devout vegan, in what world would someone put a human life of someone who they love and cherish and care for over, like I said, their own moral righteousness? That is ridiculous to me. <laughs> and that is a ridiculous question to ask someone. Of course I would eat meat if it meant that I would save the life of my mother or myself. Of course I would eat meat if someone I loved was in danger at the hands of me not eating meat. But given that that's not a possible scenario, given that that's never going to happen in my lifetime, I'm 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 pretty comfortable saying that it's it's not going to happen and I'm pretty comfortable saying that I'm not worried about it. <sighs> possibly the stupidest um thing that people say to me, possibly the stupidest question people ask me whenever they find out I'm a vegetarian. And, you know, when I go on to tell people why, you know, it's like, oh, because I, you know, love animals. I don't like thinking about the fact that I'm eating, you know, another living thing. I don't like thinking about the fact that something else had to be in pain in order to to sustain my diet. Like, those are all pretty much the gloss over reasons as to why I don't eat meat. And so I just tell people those. And it, it doesn't happen as often anymore now that I'm an adult and now that, you know, the people in my life are somewhat smarter than a two year old. But when I was in high school and middle school, I got this a lot kids would come up to me and be like, but plants are living. Plants are living things and you're eating plants. You're killing plants. So how do you explain that, Miss Animal Lover? I don't eat living things. Plants are living. (laughs) To which I say every single time, thank you for showing me that you did not pass a basic high school biology class. Plants don't have nerves. Plants don't have nerve cells or nerve endings. They don't feel pain. They respond to stimuli. Yes, plants are alive. Yes, they produce their own food. Yes, they quote unquote breathe. Yes, they reproduce. Yes, they showcase almost every single quality that a living thing would have to obtain and have in order to be qualified as living. However, like I said, plants don't feel pain. Plants don't have nerve endings. They respond to stimuli. They respond to sunlight and water and touch and but they don't like like you don't pull a plant out of the ground and you and it like screams or something like that's like kind of like that's like what people have in their mind when they say that to me is like I'm actively murdering plants. But yeah, there's a difference between something living and something being able to feel empathy and pain and grief and sorrow 
and that more so is the feelings that I'm trying to avoid in other living things not so much me not eating living things it more so is based on the fact that I don't want to put something through unnecessary suffering knowing that it's going to be able to compartmentalize it and be traumatized by it so that's more so the the whole the whole point of my vegetarianism all right, you guys, this has been part one for my vegetarian lifestyle. Part two is going to come out next week. We are going to be talking about why you should change your diet. And I say this knowing that I'm probably not going to convince you, but you should still tune in next week anyways, because even if you don't go full vegetarian, even if you don't go full cold turkey and cutting meat out of your diet, there are still very necessary, but also very attainable goals that you could implement into your diet that would not only make your lifestyle healthier, make your body healthier, help the economy, but also help the world and the environment around us, which we are currently killing with our unsustainable diet lifestyle choices. And one final thing I want to say this week is I do want to give you guys my in the rotation because yes, I do have something for you this week. It's not necessarily going to evolve, revolve entirely around the ideals of veganism, but it is going to revolve around the ideals of our environment, of our climate, what we're doing to our environment, partly because of how we choose to sustain ourselves. That being the David Attenborough documentary, A Life on Our Planet. I watched this a week, two weeks ago at this point. It was absolutely incredible. I'm I'm a huge like <laughs> I'm a huge wildlife documentary buff. Like I've seen all of like the Blue Planet and like all the ones that are narrated by David Attenborough. I love David Attenborough. And I was so happy when I saw that he came out with his own documentary about, you know, his own story and his own experiences traveling the world and seeing what the world has to offer and, you know, through his lifetime literally watching the collapse of our natural ecosystems. It is truly gut-wrenching. It is heartbreaking. It's, you know, disgusting to watch at times. He he not only talks about our, our own impact on the planet around us and how we're literally destroying our climate, but he also talks about, you know, the more, the more seemingly, quote-unquote, less impactful things that we do to our climate and the animals that live here. Um, he, he does talk in depth and get all sciencey about climate change and how the melting of the polar ice caps is actually going to accelerate climate change and, you know, the coral reefs and how, though, you know, losing our coral reefs is going to in turn accelerate climate change. Like he talks about all of it so in depth. He really gets deep into the sciencey parts of it and he really gets deep into the, you know, the facts and the data and the evidence that shows why we should all care about this, but it's still in a digestible format. And on top of everything, it's David Attenborough. You could listen to this man talk for years, or at least I could, and never get bored. Overall, it's really, really good. It, it made me laugh. It made me smile. It, it, it made me cry, especially towards the end. It really hit me hard and made me bawl my eyes out towards the end. But but definitely, there there's really not a lot of movies that I think that everyone should watch in their lifetime at least once. I'm not a huge movie person. I'm, you know, I like documentaries, but like I said, I'm not a huge movie person. This is one of the movies that I genuinely think every single person, not just in our country, but on our planet should watch. It is, it it's truly so impactful. It's truly so insightful. I thought I cared a lot about these issues. I thought I knew a lot about these issues, but this documentary just hit home in a way that that nothing else really has. So again, I wholeheartedly recommend watching it. It is so good, and it's definitely what is in my rotation this week. All right, you have now made it to the end. Now we're done. I promise we are officially done. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, please be sure to tune in next week for part two and also be sure to go back and listen to any other episodes if you haven't already. Also be sure to share this episode not only with people you think would enjoy it, but with people who you think it would impact. People who are considering a vegetarian-based lifestyle, people who have questions about vegetarian lifestyle, people who know nothing about vegetarian-based diets and, you know, think they're disgusting and, ab and an abomination and awful. You know, educate some people today. Get some, get some knowledge in those minds. Um, if you want more content from me, also be sure to follow me on all of my social media platforms. All of my handles are just at Jalen Tully. That is spelled J-A-Y-L-I-N-T-U-L-L-Y. With all of that being said, you guys, I think that is it for this week. If there's anything I want to leave you guys with, it's that you have no idea how much your choices can make an impact, not only for the good, but also for the bad. You have no idea what it took for something to end up on your plate. And there's a reason that we aren't allowed inside slaughterhouses. There's a reason we aren't allowed to watch our food be manufactured or packaged or put into grocery stores. Like there's a reason all of that is hidden from us. So I beg of you, just take a step outside of yourself. Take a step outside of everything you've been told, everything you've been taught and do some, do some looking for yourself, do some research for yourself, watch some of your own documentaries, read some books, read some news articles. Do your own research, do your own digging, and figure out what works best for you. I think there's something that we could really gain by showing more empathy towards animals and by showing more empathy to lesser beings on this earth that we just, quite frankly, haven't yet. And that ties in directly to the fact that you guys should leave here ready to educate often, learn freely, and always love equally. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week, and until then, take care.